Hi, I'm Alicia Atchison. I'm vegan, an animal lover, and animal rights activist. Many people say that becoming vegan is one of the best decisions they have made in life. I'm here to share my guest stories on their choice to live a kind life and what it means for them to be vegan. Welcome to A Kind Life. Today I've decided to share my activism journey and what I'm currently involved in. I've had a number of people reach out and ask me, you know, what I do for the animals. So I thought this was a great opportunity to share exactly what I'm involved in. So as many of you will know, um, back at episode 20, I actually shared my vegan journey. Um, and I know that a lot of people have reached out to me after listening to that and um, yeah, really loved that story. So if you haven't already tuned into that episode, definitely go back to that. It was episode 20 called Sharing My Story. And I guess I just wanted to mention that because I won't go into, um, you know, that whole story again. I think it's really this episode, it's a great like opportunity to focus specifically on how I'm active for animals. Where to begin? Good question. You probably will remember part of my story is that I actually, I suppose, became part of a local Facebook group. It's called Vegans of Geelong, um, which is here in Victoria. And um, it's this Facebook group where people are able to, you know, mention like where they found vegan food, different vegan restaurants, but also as well, it's a great platform for people to actually share events that are on in Geelong or, you know, the Ballerine Surf Coast area that we might like to be involved in. It was at that point that I actually found um, a fundraising drive. At the time, it was a pie. It sounds a bit funny, but it was a pie sale for Victorian Lamb Rescue. And, um, yeah, I went and collected the pies from the sanctuary. It's, it was a sanctuary here in Geelong. Um, and, yeah, it was a great opportunity where, you know, I met like-minded people and I decided that I would reach out to them and ask, did they want any volunteers? And I was pretty lucky, um, you know, they said to me, yeah, look, we are looking for volunteers, come and give it a try one day and, you know, we'll see what you can help with. And um, yeah, that's, that was how it began, but it's definitely, you know, bigger than that now. So I've been volunteering at Victorian Lamb Rescue now, like ever since that day, which is, I'm guessing now ooh, over three years, um, could be even coming up to four. But um, just for people who don't know, Victorian Lamb Rescue is a um, animal sanctuary in Vic, uh, Western Victoria and um, they're home to over 250 animals. Um, and, yeah, it's quite staggering. A lot of people think, oh, you know, lamb rescue, it would just be lambs, but it's definitely not just lambs. They've got a plethora of animals there, pretty much one, one or many of all species. So it's a pretty incredible place to help at. And um, yeah, I'm really lucky. It's it's unfortunately it's not a public sanctuary. It's at a private residence, so it's um, you know not open to the public for visiting. Something they're hoping to change in the future. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful sanctuary, and I'm really lucky that you know I'm able to go there and obviously meet and hang out with the residents, which is pretty remarkable. But you know, the main reason why I go there is to provide assistance. So anything from, you know, like mucking out barns, um, feeding the animals, doing things like, you know, often we've got to drench the sheep or if there's like any little injuries that pop up. So there's lots of different ways that, you know, I'm able to help at the sanctuary. During, you know, the year they often need animals transported. So it might be that, you know, there's other sanctuaries that need um, animals taken to Victorian Lamb Rescue or from members of the public, farmers, etc., might have surrendered animals. So there's often the opportunity to um, be able to go and collect animals and get them to sanctuary, which is really great to know that, you know, they're going to a safe and secure place where 
you know, they'll be loved and get all the care that they, you know, deserve. So um, that's actually where you probably would have heard in my story that that's actually where I adopted my uh, two sheep, Leo and Davy. So they were, Davy was actually one of my first transport jobs that I did for Victorian Lamb Rescue and I absolutely fell in love with him. <laughs> and um, yeah, nearly two years on now, um, yeah, I've been pretty lucky that, you know, they're part of my life now. So that's, I suppose you could say that's a bit of a success story of, um, of my time at <laughs> Victorian Lamb Rescue. And um, the other thing I do there as well is fundraising. So as you can imagine, you know, sanctuaries rely pretty much solely on donations from members of the public, businesses, um, to be able to provide all the care, food and, you know, veterinary care required for the sanctuary residents. So, yeah, it's something that I do try and focus time on is to, you know, organise events, things like bake sales, um, vegan barbecues, um, what else do we do? Our trivia nights, dinners, um, auctions, so that we, you know, are trying to provide a steady income um, to the sanctuary for, you know, their basic essential needs. But also as well, sometimes we're able to do, you know, drives for things like it might even be um, recently we did a towel and blanket drive, which was pretty cool. We were able to get a number of those items in for the sanctuary coming into winter. Um, and also as well, you know, they do things like hay drives. So whenever they need a large quantity of hay to get them through for the year, they'll put together, um, you know, a fundraiser for specifically for items like that. So yeah, it's a really, you know, good opportunity. There's so many animal sanctuaries across Australia, wherever you are, that, or even, you know, across the world um, that need assistance. And, you know, there's never enough volunteers. Often people start to volunteer and then they're not so fond of physical work or, you know, the conditions that, you know, you might be working in outdoors in summer, et cetera. So, you know, I really like it's something that's easy to do and, and makes a big difference. Plus, you know, as well, it provides a great opportunity to see animals who are, you know, living their best life in like the, the most beautiful circumstances. So, yeah, I definitely would suggest it's something, you know, to look into because there's always something you can do depending, you know, whatever your skill level is or how you think you can help or how regularly. It's definitely something that is, you know, really valuable and, and provides such like essential assistance to these sanctuaries. So something else that I started doing um, not long after I went vegan was I got involved with Anonymous for the Voiceless. So I know that lots of people in these podcasts have spoken about who they are and what they do. So I won't go into what I'm sure most of you know. Um, but yeah, basically we hold Cube of Truth events um, out in the public and, you know, we hold TV screens showing slaughterhouse footage. And then we have volunteers who outreach people who stop to look at those screens. We'll have conversations explaining what they're seeing on the screens and, you know, getting them to understand, um, you know, if they're consuming these products, they're contributing to animal suffering. And then obviously trying to hold them accountable and get them to, um, you know, adopt a vegan lifestyle. So I um, started that. I also, that kind of happened by chance, I guess, as part of that Vegans of Geelong group. Um, they actually put up, there was an event here in Geelong one summer down at the waterfront. And I just thought I'd go along to check it out. I had no intention of getting involved. I just really wanted to kind of, it, it interested me. I wanted to know what it was about. So yeah, I went along and um, funnily enough, pretty quickly the conversation came around to me being vegan and they asked did I want to you know get involved and I initially really just said no but it was funny because then it did play on my mind you know for the next week and I, when the next time they had an event I thought all right I'll give it a go yeah I look when most people do start in cube of truths you pretty much start by holding a tv screen so you're wearing the mask and 
you know, you're standing there silently holding a TV while people walk past and look at it, look at the screen and you see their reaction and hear conversations that outreaches have with the members of the public. And um, yeah, like it was a pretty extraordinary experience. Um, and it's something that I still, you know, like do every now and then at a cube. And it's really, yeah, just something that I guess it's really hard to explain the emotions that come up, but it is quite a, you know, different experience and something that I would say, you know, you really got to try. I guess pretty quickly, actually, I moved into doing outreach. So it really just came about because, you know, there's often too many, like there's often more people stopping to look at the screens and there are people who can have conversations with them. And so it was only my second cube um, and, you know, there was someone stopping there that didn't have anyone to speak to them. And so I decided to just approach them and have a conversation. And I wouldn't say, you know, it was a fantastic conversation, but, you know, it was better to talk to the person than have no one talking to them. Pretty quickly, I started to shadow the organiser at the time and, you know, I was able to hear her conversations and learn so much from her about how to speak to people and, you know, what we're trying, the messages we're trying to convey and how we hold people accountable. Um, and so, yeah, I pretty quickly realised, you know, I do like both, you know, roles being in the cube and also on outreach, but I guess I found that I do, one of my strengths is speaking to people and like communicating. So yeah, I did find that like, that was kind of my niche. Like I love outreaching people and yes, there's definitely challenging conversations. Like I don't always say that it, conversations are easy or that you walk away thinking you've done a fantastic job, but I definitely think it's something you learn and you learn from the people around you. And, and even, you know, I often go as well to Melbourne cubes just to, you know, I suppose, lend a hand, but also it's a different like demographic and different conversations. And so it's great to learn in those different circumstances. But yeah, it was probably maybe six months or so after I started volunteering that the organiser actually asked me to be a co-organiser. And so I started to take on that role as well in, in the Geelong chapter. So basically being an organiser is um, where you coordinate all the events, so everything behind the scenes. So the things like organising like the masks, the TVs, the signage, um, the launching of Facebook events and the reporting that goes on behind the scenes and some of the training and things. Like there's quite a lot of sort of structure that Anonymous for the Voiceless have in terms of, um, you know, having meetings and things behind the scenes. So it's something that I took on, took on pretty quickly and um, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And it's something now that I do by myself. Unfortunately, that co-organiser had to stand down. And so, yeah, like it's something now that I run myself here in Geelong. And um, yeah, like I'm really grateful for that opportunity because, you know, I feel like it sort of brings on a different level. I love doing the cubes themselves, but also being an organiser is something a little bit different because you feel like we're part of a bigger network. You know, we we speak to other organisers across the world um, in like different, you know, online catch-ups and things. And it's great to have their experience and understand what's happening in their area and what goes on in their community. One of the great things I would say about Anonymous for the Voiceless too is that, you know, if you're new to activism or outreach, like anything, any form of activism, it's a great place to start because they provide, you know, such structure and there's a lot of training involved for all the volunteers so it's something that you can easily sort of come along to. You don't have to bring anything other than yourself and you learn on, you sort of learn as you go, which is such a great experience. And as well, like it's, it's a beautiful community. Like I, most of my vegan friends I have here in Geelong have all started from those, you know, cube of truths. Like it's this great network of like-minded people that, you know, you do, you're out there on the streets, like in solidarity for the animals and, 
you find that it's a great place to make those connections. The other thing I guess too that I do like to point out about it is that learning how to outreach with people has been invaluable not only for activism but also like in my personal life you know when I have like difficult conversations with family or friends or you know even in your workplace and things like it's it's great to be able to have really good understanding of the way you know that we can speak to people and and get them to understand you know where we're coming from and what's happening to animals and you know hold them accountable for their action a few things too that um people have actually asked me that I thought I would cover in this because they're questions that I often get asked are things you know like um you know do you have to speak to people can you just be in the cube and that's definitely that's completely fine there's often people that are only comfortable to be in the cube they don't want to do outreach so they'll solely be in the cube and that's you know more than fine it's great because we actually can't as you can imagine we can't run the event without people holding tv screens so there it's a really essential part of the whole event so there's definitely no issues with only doing the cube rather than outreach something as well I guess that I'm, I'm often asked is you know like the challenging situations or you know how do you deal with confrontation it's something that I would say our, our policy at Anonymous for the Voiceless is that you just ignore people like if they're trying to strike a like an argument or be confrontational with you you're better to ignore them and not respond um, obviously if there's issues with you know safety like if they're threatening people's personal safety then we have to intervene and you know call the police and and be involved but generally um, most people just want a reaction from you and so when you choose to ignore them and not engage in their you know in their ridiculous behavior we find that it de-escalates pretty quickly so yeah it's you know and, and like I've said before it's a great community of people so everyone is you know really conscious of keeping an eye on each other and maintaining a safe environment so you're never you know on your own you've always got a great group of people with you as well and I guess sort of similar to that is um, people often ask me, you know, oh, but what happens if you see someone you know or see someone from your work? Like, you know, is it frowned upon? It's sort of a difficult question to answer, but my answer always is that definitely not. Like I look at it and think that, you know, you're standing up for any justice in the world and such a huge, you know, important subject is animal rights and so I see it no different to you know being on the street for um, women's rights or for you know social injustices and so people should really you know be proud unfortunately they're not because you know often what we're doing is you know in their eyes is controversial or is you know is quite difficult for them to hear or understand because they're more than likely contributing to exactly what we're trying to stop so you know I always try not to take those people's personal opinions on board because for them what we're doing is is almost a bit confronting and so they're coming at it from a personal perspective rather than looking at the bigger picture that we're actually just trying to make the world a kind of place for animals so more recently I have become involved in the animal justice party um so it probably was about two years ago um well, actually, it was it was more than that. Now that I think about it, I the, I first heard about them at my local polling booth during the state election. There was actually um, someone at the polling booth from the Animal Justice Party handing out how to vote cards. And um, at the time, I hadn't really heard of them, didn't know much about them, but I took the leaflet thinking, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then when Andy Medic became the elected representative um, or the member of parliament for Western Victoria. I um yeah really I guess started to take notice of what what they're involved in and how they were speaking for animals and so I actually started to attend um their regional group meetings so I guess just to explain that 
um, the Animal Justice Party is Australia-wide and um, there's different branches, you would say, within each state. And then within each state, there's regional groups. So the states are like split up into areas and um, often there'll be like an active regional group in your area that you can get involved in um, having their meetings and then often events. So I joined as a financial member because I guess like with that, I, I I definitely would say like I've not I'm not really a political person and I know lots of people say that and I will discuss that later on but um in regards to the Animal Justice Party I guess my initial reason for joining was that I saw what Andy was doing in Parliament and I thought you know wow I want to help financially support that and initially to be honest I just joined as a member to support financially and then eventually over COVID, you know, I had a little bit more time and their meetings became online and I joined a meeting just to see what it was about. And um, knowing me, I got sucked in pretty easily and they would put a call out for help in, in the meeting for, you know, they had different positions that were vacant, things like newsletter and social media coordinators. Um, and so, yeah, I popped my hand up at the time to help them with social media for this uh, Western Victoria group or Western Regional group. And yeah, like that's basically how my time with AJP started and then how it sort of progressed with time. Like the party, it is quite a new or young um, political party within Australia, but it is definitely the only political party that has animal issues at the forefront and is trying to, you know, make a kinder world for animals. And I guess on that note, though, I would say, you know, it's not just a single issue party. A lot of people think that the Animal Justice Party is solely focused on animal issues. Yes, that is a, a huge part of it. But we also do focus on, you know, socialist issues, um, people and the planet. So there's a lot that we do cover. But I was obviously attracted to them for everything they're doing in Parliament for the animals. And that is, you know, really relevant with the three elected members of Parliament. There's one in Victoria, Andy, at Medic, and then in New South Wales, there's Mark Pearson and Emma Hurst. And you can really see the change they're bringing about for animals in Parliament, like in the regulatory system, by having those members there. So yeah, I sort of wanted to help in any way that I couldn't. And as I said, it started with social media, just doing things on their Instagram and um, Facebook pages, like all the events and sharing news and, you know, what was happening in our region um, and across the state. Um, last year, they there was an election and, um, yeah, there was sort of some changing in positions and I actually um, have become the regional group leader. So it's quite a, quite a jump from being the social media coordinator. But um, yeah, it's something that I guess I was really lucky. A lot of the committee supported, um, you know, my nomination and, and thought that I would be, a, you know, a good candidate for the role. So it's been a bit of a, you could say, <laughs> baptism by fire, um, you know, having really been within the party, like actively for sort of a year before getting this position. But, you know, I really value that I've got the support of that team and that, you know, together we can really try and make a difference in our region for animals. So we're really lucky because Andy is within our region, you know, we can help him on campaigns. So, for example, we've actually organised a um, greyhound protest. So here in Geelong, um, there's the Geelong Greyhound Cup on the 22nd of April and um, it's pretty ridiculous. There's already been six deaths at the racetrack here this year of greyhounds and three in one week. So it's actually got the title of Australia's deadliest greyhound racing track. So yeah, we've um, organised a protest here at the local event and we'll have, you know, we've worked with other groups like um, Coalition for the Protection of Greyhounds and um, Andy's team and there'll be a number of speakers on the night and we'll be there in solidarity for Greyhounds because we understand that they deserve, you know, way much more than what their current situation is in the racing industry. 
you know, the role is quite diverse and the party is quite diverse in terms of, you know, there's lots of different things. Um, obviously, during election time, you know, we work on getting um, people at polling booths and call flutes up and how to vote cards out. Um, and then there's other, you know, times during the year where we're doing social events or protests. Um, and then there's also, you know, things where like there's a lot of work, I guess, that goes on behind the scenes into things like policies and the newsletters and like social media. So there's so much that goes on that, you know, a lot of people don't know the Animal Justice Party generally, but also as well, they don't know how they could help or how they're, you know, what what skills you have may actually help within the party. And I guess that's something I did just want to cover because, you know, I went into it thinking that, yeah, I would just be someone that attended events. But, you know, once you get to understand, like go to a meeting and you understand what is available or what positions they need help with, you can definitely kind of fit your own personal skills into what they need. So it's really kind of a great opportunity to, you know, spend as little or as much time as you would like getting involved in your local area for the animals. And I guess it's just another different avenue. Like it's a different mechanism of, you know, putting your hand up and saying you can help. And even in that, you know, you probably heard me or seen on my social media that um that I get involved over the duck shooting seasons here in Victoria. I get involved in the re in the local um duck rescue group and that's actually something that you know the AJP and this group work really hard on every year that a season is called um, is to bring out volunteers who go to the wetlands and um, you know either this year they also brought in protests at um, the local shopping centre which was only five or six hundred metres away from where there was guns being fired at the wetlands so you know there's so many different like avenues that you can put your hand up and help in so I really highly recommend looking into if that's something that you might be interested in getting involved in and look often there's other events that you know pop up that you might see on social media or that you hear your friends are going to they could be things like you know one-off protests or vigils and they're things also that I do I support so you know in the past I've been to things like you know, animal save demonstrations or to ban live export rallies or to live export, um, like bearing witness at the, sh at the docks here in Geelong. And they're all things that, you know, I do as well. And I definitely say that, you know, there's something that's easy to go along to. It might only be a once-off event or, you know, something that happens a couple of times a year. But being there and either bearing witness or being a voice for animals is so important. So it's definitely something that, you know, is, is easy to get along to and just go and support. And that's something I think I would say generally about all the different things I've spoken about in this episode is that, you know, at some point they've overlapped in different ways. You know, it might've been that I met someone at a cube of truth that said they were going to another event, but then I thought, oh, I might be able to help in that. So I'll ask them about that. Or, you know, with Animal Justice Party, there's the opportunity when there are events, you know, we work with other groups like Coalition for Protection of Greyhounds or Racehorses or Duck Rescue. And, you know, it's something that, they're not like I guess these groups don't stand alone like even though they may not be all aligned or adjoined in you know they actually all link in some way like whether it be the people involved or the issues what you're trying to you know get um and you know the animals that you're trying to stand up for or get protected or help they all sort of cross over so I really just wanted to highlight that you know there's so many different ways that people can help the animals and you know, I often ask people on this podcast for advice, you know, advice for activists or advice for vegans. And I think that's something that, yeah, I really just wanted to highlight here is that 
being vegan is one thing, but I, I personally don't think it's enough. I, and that may be controversial, but you know, I really think that we need to do more than just be vegan. We need to be a voice for animals and, you know, everyone has a different skill set, and we don't all have to be someone on the street that talks to people. We don't all have to be involved in AJP or the political system, but you know, everyone ha- does have a skill set and has an interest or a passion. And that's something that can be applied in different ways to help the animals and to spread, you know, the vegan and animal rights message. So I really, you know, I guess call on you to look at what there is in your local area or in your state that you might be able to, you know, put your hand up and lend a hand because, you know, a lot of these organisations are really under-resourced and there's a small number of people doing a lot of work and it's great work, but, you know, as the saying says, you know, many hands make light work and we really do need to try and, you know, give as much help as we can to these organisations so that, you know, everyone all together makes a great impact. And something that I'm actually asked quite often um, (laughs) is, you know, like, how do I do so much? Or like, you know, am I not tired or do I not get burnt out? And I think it, it sort of depends on the person. And I guess that's something to be really mindful of is, you know, your activism does need to be sustainable. So, you know, it's it's no no point like trying to do 10 things and, and only half do them or, you know, only do them every now and then and, and feel really burdened by it. I think you have to find what your like happy medium is, what your sustainable level of activism is. But I also think too, when you, you know, when you apply yourself in positions or in roles that interest you or you're passionate about, you don't feel like it's a burden you don't feel like you're working really hard you just feel like you're contributing and you know you're happy to do that work because ultimately it's something you're really passionate about and I think that's you know for me personally that's how I do so much is because I don't feel like it's a chore I enjoy what I do and the diversity of the things that I do do and how I feel as though it's you know helping make the world a better place for animals so I guess that's probably realistically where I would finish this up and you know if you have any questions or if you're someone that's new to veganism or activism and you're thinking that you want to get active or do something for the animals but you don't know where to start I really you know want you to reach out to me and and have that conversation because it's something I'm pretty passionate about I'm passionate about people getting active and doing things for animals and I'm always happy to help you get started in that space And to all my fellow activists that might be listening to this episode, I just want to say a deep, heartfelt thank you. Thank you for being there for the animals and and for your fellow activists because we have such a fantastic community and I'm really grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you, guys. And, um, yeah, I look forward to hearing what you think of this episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. I would love to hear from you if you've been inspired by this episode or if you have any requests for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at a kind life. Remember, be kind to your body, kind to animals and kind to our planet. Take care.